0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're
1: listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's
2: Damon Amendolara.
3: Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Wednesday, April the 17th. I'm your host, D.A., and as the NBA playoffs are now in full swing, a big injury to the Golden State Warriors. Boogie Cousins, torn quad, he'll be out for a significant amount of time. Now, the Warriors are still good enough to win a championship without him, right? I mean, they've just won three out of four years without Boogie, but... Golden State has felt more vulnerable this year than in recent years. Specifically, the Houston Rockets stand in the Western Conference, perhaps in a second round matchup. Does the loss of Boogie make the Warriors more vulnerable to Houston? Here's the guys in Houston on Sports Radio six ten and Mad Radio.
2: This is a big deal. I I don't know um I we, we talked this morning earlier Michael and you you kind of acted like this might actually hurt the Rockets and I'm I'm befuddled as to how Yes. this is uh, what what your explanation is for that.
4: I hope it hurts the Warriors, don't get me wrong, but I wonder DeMarcus Cousins how much he actually helps the Warriors in the playoffs. This DeMarcus Cousins because oh. he's not fast. He can't really keep up with the pace that they like to operate with. He wasn't really great in game 1 and if you're telling me what's more likely DeMarcus Cousins dominates Clint Capella, or the Rockets would have found a way to put a bunch of guys on the court with Cousins who make it really hard for him, and they outscore the Warriors a lot with Cousins on the on the floor. To me,
2: the second thing is more likely. This is the only thing that you have to remember, is that the playoffs is all about matchups and very specific lineup changes from night to night. Little, little rotation tweaks to where you gain an edge for one specific night. So what Cousins does is he adds an element uh, to their game where they can play a certain type of style with both him and Draymond Green out there that they couldn't do before DeMarcus Cousins was out there. So I'm not sitting there thinking, hey, DeMarcus Cousins won't be out there for 40 minutes a night because he wasn't going to be anyway. It's when they decide, hey, we're going to beat up on Clint Capella a little bit and we're going to do it with DeMarcus Cousins. They can't do that anymore because that's what it comes down to in a close series is those little, those few little tweaks. Welcome back, Paul, and happy birthday.
5: Thank you very much. Uh, it was a fun bender over the last couple of days, but it's nice to come back, and it's nice to get this news coming back because I really think this is huge for the Houston Rockets, especially if DeMarcus Cousins is out for the rest of the playoffs, as Adrian Wojnarowski has suggested. He's going to get an MRI on it today, so we will see what his actual status going forward is. But... Seth talked about those individual matchups. The thing that the Golden State Warriors have the ability to do with DeMarcus Cousins is, first off, I think slow things down and take the Rockets out of the rhythm. But more importantly, I know that Clint Capella is a Swissman and that the Swiss are notoriously neutral in all things, but uh he looks like a Frenchman going up against a German whenever he's going up against DeMarcus Cousins, which means it is bad, it is horrible, it is a surrender. And now you get to go back to, I think, what the matchup was last year, which is a coin flip depending on the Rockets' health. But this is why, Mike, you were correct in thinking and wanting the Rockets to play the Warriors in round number two.
4: Because of the injury part.
5: Because this could happen. Hell, we could see so- Kevin, Kevin Durant might get injured by
4: Patrick Beverly by the end of this series, too. Here's my counter arguments to this. Guys, I'm not going to lie. I'm having a real debate this morning my head and my heart. My my heart's very excited because whenever bad things happen to the Warriors, I know it's an injury, you're not supposed to root for injuries, but damn it, these guys signed Kevin Durant two and a half years ago. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and cry over spilt milk for these guys. But my head is telling me that DeMarcus Cousins going down might actually be a good thing for them.
2: And I have a couple of pieces of evidence. Might actually be a good thing for the For the, for the Warriors. Warriors, yes. Okay. I'll
4: tell you why. Number one. The Warriors killed the Clippers in game one before they lost last night. In game one, Demarcus Cousins played 21 minutes and he was a minus 17. When, do you guys remember when the Rockets, do you guys remember when the Rockets beat the Warriors when James Harden was sick in February on the road? In that game, I know Cousins got hurt in the fourth quarter, but he was also a minus 17 in 27 minutes and Capella outplayed him. I agree that Capella can be outplayed, outphysicaled by Demarcus Cousins. No doubt. But the idea that it would happen every single night in a best of seven, I think is vastly overstated.
3: I suppose it makes the Warriors vulnerable a little bit just because that rim protection, that defensive presence of the rebounding certainly can help. But ultimately, as we all know, Golden State has been able to win three championships and go to four finals without DeMarcus Cousins. So losing him here, it doesn't help. But honestly, I don't think it really hurts that much either. Just up the road from the Bay Area is Sacramento. And the Kings had one of their more encouraging seasons in the last decade and a half. And yet they still fired their head coach, Dave Yeager. Apparently they had eyes on Luke Walton, who was let go in Los Angeles with the Lakers and now has been signed as the new head coach in Sacramento. Deuce Mason joined the Rise guys at ESPN 1320 in Sactown to analyze what Luke Walton can do in Sacramento that they've needed now for a long time.
6: You have to be able to keep things together and keep that culture and those personalities going in the right direction. I think it's a good thing. I think on the flip side, in in L.A., get a lot thrown his way. I think year one, you get hired by Cupcheck and it's the post-Kobe era. Not a great year for them. The next season, I thought they were one of the more exciting teams in the league When, when they drafted Lonzo and Kuzma. There was, like, legit excitement around that team. Um, And of course, that was a new front office too the guys that didn't hire him. And then this year, I mean, I don't know if there's a coach in the NBA that could have coached that team to success based on everything from LeBron's injury to everything that LeBron brings to the table when he's on your roster to signing Rondo and McGee and Stevenson and um, Michael Beasley and then the Anthony Davis rumors. I don't know how anyone really succeeds under that. It's hard to say how much blame he really deserves for this this last season in L.A. So um, I like what I hear about him. It seems like the guy knows how to communicate with players. And look, I know Steve Kerr and Steph Curry are not going to come out and slam him if they don't like him, but they also don't have to talk about how great he is and what type of person he is and what type of basketball mind he is if they don't like him. So I think those endorsements mean something to me when those guys are coming out and talking about it. So We'll see. He's got a lot of work to do. There's, there there's going to be expectations for him next year. This team won 39 games, and I think they believe they should have won more down the stretch. So, um, it's not going to be easy. And I think there's so many people that automatically think it's playoffs next year. I mean, that's that's a tough leap to make. It is. I mean, you, you need 48 to get in this year. Yeah, actually, that's sort of where I was headed. I mean, you, you know Vlade, um, and you, you speak Vlade, so when he talks about going to the next level, what do you think he's talking about? I know what fans think. Fans think playoffs are the next level. What do you think Vlade thinks? That's a good question. I, I think he wants to see this team compete for a playoff spot, like legit. I think this year, they were in it for a while, but then the separation came with the Clippers and the Spurs. Um, I, I think you're looking at year three of Sierra, and like what's he doing to get better? What's he going to do? What can Bagley become in year two? Can he make a similar leap like Fox and Heel did this season? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I'm, I'm sure they would all sit around and say playoffs. Um, but I, I think it's going it's to be tough. It's not going to be an easy thing. I, I think so many people just expect like, okay, you improve a little bit. The next step is automatically playoffs. Well, what happens if they win 43 the games next year? I mean, it, it, that may not be enough to get in, but are they in a better position? Can they keep growing from there? Not that easy. It's really not. I mean, we look at Denver as like the great example people like to bring up. It's The like, team missed the game, missed the playoffs last year. They had a win or year, or go home game, and mm-hmm. they missed the playoffs. Yeah, this year they're the number two seed. Now, I'm not saying the Kings are going to be a number two seed next year, but you know th- th- what Denver did this year doesn't happen very often.
3: I think it's a bit of a reach, a bit of a risk to think that Luke Walden can come in and do something that Jaeger could not. Again, Dave Yeager helped lead that team into the playoff discussion all season long before a late-season swoon with a bunch of young guys that never, have never been there before. Is there something that Luke Walton's going to be able to do that Yeager was not? And I respect Luke Walton a great deal. Maybe his fit in Los Angeles with the Lakers was not great. But again, is Luke Walton the guy that brings a bunch of solutions where Jaeger didn't have them? I got a hard time believing that. In baseball, the defending World Series champions are taking on water. Another night, another loss for the Red Sox. This time, a shutout at the hands of the Yankees. And their ace, Chris Sale, who just got a big contract extension before the season, gets rocked. Here's WEEI in Boston, Mutton Callahan with Mark James. Chris
1: Frail, how's he looking, man? He's looking pretty He's, frail. He, how's he looking right now, huh? I How love th- this. I love this Drellick and all, the, all these other big guys. This is very encouraging. He got his... Oh, 96 miles an hour last week. his Ooh. nuts knocked Ooh. off in Yankee Stadium my team yeah. he used to own. And they say, well, he hit 97. He missed a spot by three
4: feet, but he hit 97. So why in the blue hell, Jerry? You, you've never... You know, you're always good on contract extensions and you, you've, ne- you've always played hurt. But you come through in the clutch. Why did Chris Sale get $8 million more than the National League Cy Young Award winner, Jacob DeGrom? It was
1: a, well, DeGrom had... contract. DeGrom had two years left, but... um Frail, it was a dumb, absolutely dumb contract. Mutt's the only one who defended it. I still defend after I will, four starts. I
7: 80 mean, ERA is not a big deal. Eight oh, and a half please. starts. Eight and a half. It, that
1: was his best one. It's, um, it's, why?
7: it's down off a nine, Mark. <laughs> okay. This is It's a simple eight, question,
1: eight, eight though. Why it's... wouldn't you wait? Frail. Right. Frail. I Frail, Frail, Frail see, by see, accident. It's already there. No, it's there. Because Frail it, wasn't there. one of these guys who was going to say, take it personally and say, if you don't sign me by opening day, I'm out of here. He would have talked in July and August and even September. He would have. If you waited, you would you would never ever sign him to that deal like today. Would if you? you
7: waited? It would have cost you more money. It, it would not said, for if, what? If Chris, if Chris for damaged goods, if Chris thirty 11, more than
1: thirty Chris, million. Yes, we no, go around you're making people. point pictures.
7: There are other pitchers who make north of thirty million dollars, and there are other pitchers after this who are going to make who are over that thirty sort of and I
1: had physical issues, had who haven't been able to finish <laughs> a season. Wait, 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 it would cost you more price? for damaged goods. That was a mistake. You don't compare it to guys who are mistake. How many
5: Cy Youngs does he want?
7: Yes, you did. Uh, Zero. Okay, but that that's not the point. The point is, what he goes out there this year? Last year, up until he hurt his uh, arm and he threw too hard early, he looked like he was worth... $35 million. Up until a week ago. $36 million. Dollars.
4: Up until a week ago, he threw 41 and a third's innings since last July. Yes. this guy does Because he got hurt
7: last year. Oh, and he, so, so he, he breaks got, down he gets at the end hurt of every season. Now, he because doesn't, he's he does Chris not frail. break down. He has his worst numbers, but there's been very little breakdown in Chris Sale. His worst numbers in Chicago were, you're right, August, September, but those have been considered fatigue, not actual injury to the arm. So what they thought was, let's pace him off a little bit differently this year. Let's get him his binky back now. Sandy Leone's here. We're going to fix. Him, it worked last and night. It's going to be
5: different. Definitely it worked, worked last so good. Day. Oh, by the way, I
1: get fifty million. You invested. I'll say this. That's the bad news because this is a terrible, terrible extension. The good news is they didn't give three hundred fifty million to Mookie Betts. So, oh, wow! Because that'll be tomorrow. Because there was pressure. The you know days after Trout signed that extension, let's get bets done here, and and we were amazed how resistant. Uh, bets was to the idea. He had no interest.
8: What's the Mookie nickname? Come on, James.
1: No, no, no. They, uh, n- come n- on, James. N- not, no, I, I don't have
8: one Mookie, yet. I, I, I is is just These cookie? things got to come organically. Cookie
4: Puss? Organically. Oh. 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 Oh, they, they, they just got to have, Mookie like, ch- Chris Frail is too easy. I mean, because he's frail. Uh, let's be real. The blow pen, the blow. Oh, did you hear my new one on the Star Wars? The blowtation. Did you like that one? It just
1: rolls off the tongue.
3: Man, I don't know what is going on with the Red Sox. I mean, clearly there's a lot of baseball left in this season. We're only midway through April. Plenty of time to get this thing corrected. But coming out of the blocks, boy, the Red Sox have acted like they're still in spring training mode. I mean, every single night has been something else. And it just makes you wonder about all of those things that have to go right for you to win a World Series and then taking advantage of those because you never know when it's going to happen again. We look back on the Chicago Cubs in 2016 and assumed... That team was going to be in the World Series a number of times and have multiple championships, and yet here we are three years later, and they haven't been back to the Fall Classic, and I don't even know if they're one of the favorites this year out of the National League to get there. So the Red Sox took advantage last season of a great regular season and faced good competition in October, but thankfully for them, they hung that banner because without that, there's no guarantee you ever get back, and they're playing like that right now. In Pittsburgh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are over as the Pittsburgh Penguins, winners of three Stanley Cups in the last decade, are now out, dispatched easily and quickly by the New York Islanders. Sidney Crosby, who's hoisted that cup three different times, now is out of the postseason in the first round in that fashion. Is this the end of an era in the Steel City on ice? Here's our friends on the Fan Morning Show, 97.3, the fan of Pittsburgh.
9: When we talk about the end of the era, I, I don't think it's an end of the era in regards to certain personnel. Again, as long as, no, Crosby, as, long
10: as Crosby's on this team, the era's still here. Yes, but
9: here's where it, what it needs to be the end of. It needs to be the end of this style of hockey. Of of freewheeling offense first, you need to you need, need to, to sit down. There to be an
10: implementation of a more structured and defensive style when camp starts.
9: You you need to remind uh, Malkin and Crosby that they're not twenty somethings anymore. You, you need to move out some of the 30-somethings who who simply don't fit into this system anymore. You need to remind the guys that they need to play more like the younger guys who surround them now. Do you
10: know, the ability to do that, and this sounds crazy, but some of the ability to do that went out the door when Carl Hagelin went out the door. Um and I think that was the writing on the wall that it should have gotten a little closer to the vest,
9: well, you lost speed. You lost defensive consciousness. Yeah. I mean, that it, he wasn't scoring goals. No, I mean, no, no, no doubt. but he was expediting the pace of play and he was killing penalties for yes. it. I mean, it, he was one of those pieces that could could remind everyone of just how they were supposed to be playing the game. Once Hagelin left, look at all the other guys that stopped scoring
10: goals. It's a it's a very fair point. I, I agree with you. Namely Patrick Hornquist. Yeah.
9: When you look at the way the defense has been built the last couple of years, it's been built to have a goaltender behind it who can clean up the messes and make brilliant saves when it, they screw up. And he simply doesn't has not done that. It, he has not done that often enough. And he didn't do it at all in this series. And unfortunately, if you're gonna have a defensive core that is going to string their goalie out to dry. In big moments, that goalie has to be able to make the save in that moment. And Matt Murray has not done enough of
10: that. You know lately. what the Penguins need, honestly, right now? They need a top pick. They need somebody to come in right away and help them. And they haven't needed that in a long time. I mean, really think about that. Mata's a guy that was, you know, a, a, a guy that came in and kind of helped. When's the last time they had somebody come in and really help them
9: straight away, they, early? Yeah, they need. Well, they need speed on defense, and and they don't have that. And I mean, you look at their system; they just they don't have and it. They need Jack Eichel, it, it, you know. They, I mean, it, they they need the talent in the minors that a, a a team that gives up draft picks the way they have right over the last decade simply doesn't have, and, and they don't have the draft picks this but year here's either. Here's the
10: problem. Here is the problem. They have speed on defense, in Chris Letang, right? But they also have a guy that doesn't you know in in really important times how to harness that speed on defense well, his judgment. and do what he's supposed to do and listen I could live with Chris Letang for sure and we're all gonna have to live with Chris Letang he's more than likely not going anywhere but he's not 23 years old yeah you know good. if Pedersen makes the mistake that Chris Letang does in game one and then again last night you say oh he's young it's like it's like everybody knows every guy knows the story about all the bulls standing at the top of the hill yes. right Chris LeTang keeps running down that hill. Yes. Sprinting down that hill. But he's not 23 years old anymore. When is he going to become
9: the old bull? And that becomes a part of this organization's overall philosophy
0: moving forward. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Well, it had to end sometime because they have loaded up trying to win Stanley Cubs in the middle of Sidney Crosby's prime, and they did so, including going back-to-back a couple of years ago But now, I mean, let's face it, after this regular season, not that it was bad by any stretch, but then the postseason early exit to the Islanders, the Penguins didn't have much gas left. And a young player, a couple of young players have come in and juice up older guys like Sidney, like Evgeny Malkin. I mean, let's face it, Sidney and Malkin have been around for quite some time now and played deep into the postseason a number of years. There's going to be some major taxing on their body and yeah, an infusion of youth could absolutely help the Penguins. In Cleveland, the Ken Carbin show on two three. The Fan is looking ahead to football season. In Cleveland, there can never be too much football. How about spring football? A year from now, we'll already have year number one of the XFL. And now, since they took over the spring docket from the AAF, is there room for a certain former Browns quarterback and a certain 49ers quarterback? here's xfl ceo oliver Locke on with ken Carmen.
10: we welcome in commissioner and ceo of the xfl former sadie nation's wildcat the father of andrew Locke, oliver Luck joins us on the show hello oliver thanks for joining us
11: good morning fellas how y'all doing
10: we're doing very well what makes you leave the comfort and security of the ncaa to try on the xfl
11: it's a great question. So, you know, sports startups are relatively rare. And I think, you know, a football league being, you know, being built from scratch is even rarer. So, you know, when, when Vince McMahon reached out to me and asked about my interest in running his league and building his league, I really couldn't resist. I love the game. I do believe there's an opportunity for spring football. It's it's hard. It's tough. It's challenging. Nobody's really cracked the code at this point, but uh, I think with uh, Vince's capital commitment and the lessons he learned from, you know, the first go-around back in 2001, and you know, the changing landscape with with the sport, I think we've got a shot. And uh, I wanted to take the opportunity to help him build this league and build it the right way.
10: I know that he's probably open to it. Are you open to John Manzel in your league? Well,
11: you know, he's had an interesting career. Uh, needless to say uh, as long as he I you know fits our our profile and and our you know sort of behavioral standards and quite honestly a bigger challenge as long as our eight head coaches you know think that he's uh, one of the quarterbacks that can make us better and we've got some guys that you know know quarterbacks fairly well whether it's you know Bob Stoops or or Pep Hamilton or or others Jim Zorn you know an NFL quarterback himself or from the so we're going to you know, it re- rely heavily on our coaches to say, yeah, these are the guys that we think will make our league better. If Manziel is in that group, then uh, I'm, I'm sure he might have an opportunity. But it really all depends on him, and we, we haven't had any contact with him.
2: All right. What about Colin Kaepernick?
10: I'd say, say ditto,
11: <laughs> quite honestly. You know, I have no idea whether you know Colin's in shape or not, uh, w- whether he wants to play. Um, you know, we're we're a league that has – You know salary restrictions, uh, and obviously that—that you know at least based on what people have said might play a role in his desire to play. Uh, But I would just say ditto uh, on that as well.
9: Uh, We had a
7: list today out of the big league that had all the quarterbacks ranked one in 32. Uh, Andrew Luck was number five. Baker Mayfield was all the way down to 15. Uh, I I know you're an avid watcher of football, and we've had these debates about the Colts and the Browns, and whether the Browns can emerge. do you think that Baker Mayfield's a little ranked low there?
11: Yeah, uh, you know, I think Baker is a heck of a quarterback. I literally have been watching him play football uh, since he was a, a, a middle schooler in Lake Travis, uh, Texas, outside of Austin. Uh, in fact, Andrew one of Andrew's best friends as a middle school kid was Bre- Baker's older brother, Matt. So we know the family very well. Uh, my wife's very close to, to Gina, uh, you know, Baker's mom. So we've been watching the Mayfields for a long time. I think he's a heck of a quarterback. I'm not sure who put that list together, right? And it's all subjective, as as all those lists are. Uh, but I I would say that the Browns have their quarterback, I think, for probably the next you know ten to fifteen years.
3: Well, we here on Around the Dial are hardcore Alliance fans to the death, and they are dead. So we've got a healthy skepticism surrounding the XFL and it working. But if they do end up paying quarterbacks as high as two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars, like Oliver Luck has said then getting a guy like Johnny Manziel or Colin Kaepernick might not have to be about the money necessarily of them not saying no and saying, I don't want to play in your league. Now, let's face it. I mean, Johnny Manziel would play for a dollar at this point in time. He was playing for the Memphis Express in the Alliance. But for Colin Kaepernick, who knows? Now, $250,000 might not be enough to bring Colin Kaepernick out of his exile, whatever that is. But certainly, if you get a guy like Kaepernick or let Johnny Manziel do his magic, which really the Express never did, there would be a reason to watch. It's not just coaches that you want the big names, as the XFL has hired Bob Soups, amongst others. You want the players to be recognizable in some way, shape, or form. And finally, let's listen in on Boomer and Geo. Boomer assizing Greg Giannotti on WFAN in New York as they had one of the members of the old Jersey Shore on Vinny. Oh, wait. I'm just getting this in my ear. The Jersey Shore is back? What? And people are nostalgic for the Jersey Shore? Let's listen in.
8: Now that we're older, people, like, re- they grew up with us. They. It's, like, nostalgic for them. There really is no more hate anymore. And, you know, even Mike, the situation sure. who was the – biggest notorious villain is like just like a fat guy that likes to eat now (laughs) so everyone you know grew up and they relate to us as adults
12: a fat guy that likes to eat you're the the keto guido Uh, as you call yourself (laughs) uh you know the the interesting thing for me is i remember we had snooki in here we had paulie d your partner on your other show that you do with and they seemed like really genuinely nice people. And they were very like engaging in everything. And I, ne- I never really got, I guess it's part of the show and you guys played into it. Mm-hmm. I never got why they were always, everybody looked at them so negatively. I guess well, it was just the whole douchebaggery of the whole thing. <laughs>
8: yeah. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, what you
6: didn't—if you didn't watch the show, you could understand why. I, right? I know, I, yeah. I did watch the show. I, I haven't
12: seen the new one, but I will say that getting to know Mike the situation, even mm-hmm. though he got himself in trouble, and also knowing Paulie D and and him wearing my jersey out in Cincinnati for a set that he was doing, <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought mean, that was all pretty cool stuff. I felt like I was like pretty hip.
8: Yeah, well, we are like you know now you're in a of an age yeah. of fame where people go on TV, they want to be famous. Back then, we were just, like, a, a young kids. Like, I wanted to be locally famous just to get girls. Like, the reality <laughs> TV wasn't what it is today where, you know, it's like everyone has Instagram and everyone has a brand. Back then, we were just a bunch of crazy kids. We didn't even know what the show was going to be, so we still remained those kids. You know, we couldn't change, like, when we are doing an interview. We, we tried, but... And that's what people are seeing now. It's like we grow up, but we're still like the same just like wild kids that we were back then. You were always the most normal. And watching you,
6: I would say this guy is most like my friends where he is – in a place with a bunch of other crazy people and he sort of dabbles in the craziness a little bit yeah. but but stays grounded. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I always thought about what you were thinking during the craziest mm-hmm. moments of the Jersey Shore like I really got myself into this and now I can't get out of it. I mean are it, do you ever think like what life would be if you never got yourself involved in this show and is that something that you would prefer as to as opposed to being vinny from the jersey shore for the rest of your life
8: <laughs> well <clears throat> yeah the jersey shore thing um the vinny from the jersey shore thing that's something that you know you try to get away from and work on cuz you want to be your own individual person sure. Um, that's kind of tough though, because, but whatever, you know, if it pays enough, then I'll be Vinny from Jersey shore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was actually studying to go to law school right before Jersey shore. I graduated with a political science degree and I was taking my LSATs and all of a sudden I was 21 years old on the show and it hasn't stopped since. And, uh, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to ever say like I would trade it, you know, people are like, are oh, is it annoying? Would you, you know, cause you get recognized and you can't go anywhere and this and that. I'm like, that's like asking like a hot girl, if it's annoying to be hot like yeah it could be but she wouldn't trade it you know what i mean it's pretty freaking awesome too so uh yeah i like my life it's fun and uh it has its pros and cons like everything well, else, when they you
12: know? asked you guys to uh, kind of come back was there any trepidation at all by anybody
8: in the cast uh well sammy didn't come back right sammy you know she had like a a a Bad relationship with Ronnie, and uh, she just chose not to join the show again. Everyone else was was ready to go.
3: Only Vinny on a New York sports radio station could say with a straight face that people have grown up with us and they're nostalgic for the Jersey
8: Shore. I mean, what what is this? What are you talking about? Now that we're older, people like... They grew up with us. It's like nostalgic for them. There really is no more hate anymore.
3: LeBron in his prime, watching Tiger win the Masters again after all of what he's went through. We've now got nostalgic for the Jersey Shore and the situation in Snooki and Vinny. I think that's a good place to end. That's the best in your sports talk for Wednesday, April the 17th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or
0: the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.